0: Welcome to our very first episode of Inclusive and Online with Kate and Dan. I'm Kate. And I'm Dan.
1: On this monthly podcast, we'll be discussing topics relating to inclusivity, online learning, and educational tech tools.
0: Each episode, we'll cover a new topic where we'll highlight relevant research, conduct interviews with special guests, and introduce some tech tools to help you get started on your journey toward building a more inclusive learning experience. Keep in mind that all of our resources, as well as episode transcripts, will be linked in the show notes.
1: To start, we felt it was important to discuss our why, not just for this topic, but for our podcast in general. So to put it simply, as two professionals working in online learning and educational technology, we see the need for inclusivity in online education on a daily basis, For me, this podcast is a way not only to highlight and share great ideas and important research, but to continue my own professional development and understanding of inclusive practices in online educational settings.
0: I completely agree, Kate. I think everyone, myself included, can benefit from learning more about what it means to be inclusive and how to provide an inclusive environment in the classroom. That means both the physical and virtual classroom. And in many cases, the information that we share can be used in both environments. March is Pride Month at Oakland University, and what better way to launch this podcast than to join the celebration? One of the more intriguing events I saw on OU's diversity events calendar was the LGBTQIA employee resource group book club discussion. The book is a memoir by Maya Kobabe titled Genderqueer.
1: The back cover of the book describes it as an intensely cathartic autobiography about your path to identifying as non-binary and asexual and coming out to your family and society. By addressing questions about gender identity, what it means, and how to think about it, the story also doubles as a much-needed, useful, and touching guide.
0: I appreciate the opportunity to learn more about gender and sexual identity issues from this book. As a white cisgender male, there are times where I struggle to relate or worry that I'm going to offend somebody unintentionally. I think that's a very human feeling to have. Sometimes I wonder how is this about me or how does this affect me when it's probably not about me at all.
1: As a member of the queer community myself. Inclusion of LGBTQIA plus students hits very close to home for me. During my time as an undergraduate student, I often worried about acceptance in my classes and in my campus community as a whole. While attitudes have certainly shifted since then, I think that fear can prevail for many students, especially those who identify outside of the gender binary.
0: One of OU's most passionate advocates in this arena is Kelly Dowd, the coordinator for student services leadership and engagement at oakland university's school of health sciences she's leading the book discussion event and we're thrilled to have her as our inaugural guest on the podcast so welcome kelly
1: thanks dan thanks for having me so to get us started can you tell us a little bit about why the why lgbtqia plus inclusion is important to you as a higher education professional
2: Yeah, well, first, um, I'm queer myself, um, and I want those in the community to feel supported in higher ed. Um, But I also think universities should be as inclusive as possible, as they should be supporting all students, staff, faculty, um, and especially those from marginalized communities that haven't traditionally received this kind of support. Um, I also think universities can model inclusive excellence for like all other industries. Um, I think it shows It's not that difficult and something that any organization can be doing to be more inclusive.
0: That's an interesting point because one of the tools that's really, you know, grabbed hold at OU in the last couple of years has been video conferencing and specifically Zoom. And that's a type of tool that's used among so many different types of organizations. Uh, What really started piquing my interest and how gender plays out in online learning was when I started noticing pronouns in Zoom usernames. I've seen, you know, other learning management systems, they have ways for uh, users to share their pronouns. So I started thinking about how we could be more inclusive with regard to gender. Uh, What changes, if any, have you noticed on how technology and gender intersect?
2: I mean, I think it's, like a really simple way to make people feel included as far as like just having your pronouns on your Zoom screen, like on your name. Um, And it's not just for like, we shouldn't be assuming a gender at all, really. So like it, it helps with like an international person's name that maybe you don't know how to pronounce it um, and wouldn't know what a gender was attached to it because it's not a traditional quote unquote, uh, American sounding name. Um, Or like when people don't have their camera on and they haven't put their picture up. Like we don't know, we can't assume that we know their gender Um, or like doctors as faculty, um, you might be doctor so and so in our society, they might think you're male based on traditional roles and and stereotypes, so I think it can be helpful for anyone. Um, And then it makes you think about like all the forms we fill out or like how you're described on your website or how do we collect data on campus and organize activities and like, what kind of examples do we give in the classroom? Um, I think it helps to make you think about how we're talking about gender a lot, a lot of the time um, and that we can do it in a way that makes anyone feel included no matter their gender or non-gender assignment.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, you know, I think for me, it's really easy to then you know, I'm like, okay, I'm aware that I should be including my pronouns and creating that inclusive environment. But then it's it's easy to kind of swing in the other direction and say, oh, well, this person isn't including their pronouns so they must not be inclusive. But I think it's also important to be mindful of the fact that there are a lot of reasons why someone might not be comfortable at that point sharing their pronouns. Um, and, you know, keeping that in mind moving forward as well in that, you know, Those of us who are comfortable doing so absolutely can and should in order to kind of create that inclusive environment, but at the same time, acknowledging the other side of things. And, you know, there might be students or colleagues who are not at a place in their gender identity understanding where they're comfortable sharing their pronouns.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think we should, as I guess the professionals are like, you're the one facilitating the event or something like Mm -hmm. that modeling pronoun use so that folks can use it but they don't have to use it like it's not required but that you've shown that you're being inclusive in that space so that folks that are in the space that want you to know their pronouns um can do that without it just being a like tell it to me right now and out yourself to the whole class mm-hmm. potentially yeah
1: yeah absolutely and i think it's it's that's the important thing is providing that opportunity without providing like without making anybody feel like it's it's a requirement or that they have to do it and avoid you know, putting someone in an uncomfortable position.
0: It's an interesting point because I've heard different types of feedback on pronouns like, oh, well, that's kind of silly. We have to share that. I can clearly see that, you know, you're a boy. It's like, well, like you said, we can't just assume. We can't assume that. I look back to my days when I worked in financial aid and we had to verify, you know, if somebody was born or assigned male or assigned female at birth for financial aid purposes And it was really awkward for me to have to ask that uh, documentation of somebody because they may have been going through, you know, something where it just really wasn't my business to to step into that particular uh, arena. In this, you start to see a little bit more of it uh, appearing in Zoom, appearing in different learning management systems. And I like that it's more about saying, hey, this is an inclusive place we don't have to, you know, have that kind of uncomfortable or awkward situation if you're familiar or, or unfamiliar with it. Now, in genderqueer, Maya uses pronouns that may seem unfamiliar to most. Care to speak a little bit about those pronouns?
2: Yeah, ear, I think, I think is what they are. Um, I think I like how folks have just kind of taken on different um, pronouns, honestly. Like, I think it really has expanded my mind as far as like what you know how even just like language has been created and who's responsible for that and who gets to choose that and so um i think it's expanding our minds like in a lot of different ways just thinking about you know the individual and who who we are and and how we describe ourselves i don't know i like it (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think it's it's interesting um because when i was reading the the graphic novel um Maya's kind of journey toward figuring out what pronouns worked best, I could definitely relate to that in terms of like trying on different labels and like coming out in the queer community. And sometimes it just comes down to like what feels right, even if it's something that's a little bit less common. um, I think it can be really validating to find that one identity that really feels right to you.
2: Yeah, and th- and it evolves over time, right? And it, mm-hmm. um, I think I used to describe I for a long time never described myself as queer because I was in hetero relationships and was married. And um, even though I felt I was queer, I didn't feel that that was like the right term. Um, and then I uh, maybe started calling myself bisexual at one point, pansexual because I do I am attracted to different genders. Um, and now at this point I just use queer because it's an umbrella term to me. Um, but I think respecting like that, everyone can have their own description of what that is and that can evolve and change over time. I think, um, is a cool place to be
1: my cat in the mix here. I don't know if you can hear meowing (laughs) in the the recording here.
0: (laughs) Cats are welcome on this show. Anytime.
1: Good. Good. Always. I'm sure my (laughs) cats will make an appearance. Awesome. (laughs) So let's turn our attention to the upcoming, upcoming book club event. Um, so why did you pick the book, Gender Queer?
2: Yeah, so I want to say last year, the LGBTQIA plus employee resource group won the Timothy Larrabee diversity award. Um, and Tim was a, a, a queer folk person on campus who was a very strong advocate for the community. And so it was really an awesome honor to, to get that award to help support programming around sexual orientation and gender identity on campus. Um, And we have been doing these lunch and learns that we did pre-pandemic that we got that award for. So we took that funding um, and I decided we should do a book club for Pride Month um, to just try to get folks engaged again in a more kind of a passive way as far as like you get to read it on your own and then we can have a discussion together um and when i was choosing the book i asked for suggestions and stuff from folks and my bestie actually he works at american university in dc um shout out to josh they um they suggested that um the book and they had read it for a queer book club on their campus so um i thought it would be a a good choice for us especially when i found out it was a graphic novel um i think Sometimes book clubs are intimidating, like you don't feel like you're gonna have enough time to read the book, like it's 300 pages, we're all so busy, versus this was such a um, easy read, really enjoyable to get and um, quick to get through, but still so meaningful um, and a really cool way to tell your story. Um, So yeah, I thought it would make it attractive for folks to join in, um, and I'm really glad that I chose it.
1: Yeah, and I will say when I sat down to read the book, I read it pretty much in one sitting a few hours, and it was so engaging that it just, it draws you in, keeps you going, and I, I really appreciated the choice of book as well for that reason, is that it was, you know, so accessible. So conversations such as the ones we anticipate having in the upcoming book club meeting are essential to helping campus communities move forward toward understanding and accepting diverse gender and sexual identities and making campuses safe and more inclusive spaces for students, staff, and faculty. What role do you see the book club event playing in this, if any?
2: Um, I think for those who participate, at least, um, you'll have a much stronger understanding of gender and gender identity and what those who don't feel like they fit into that binary concept of gender really experienced throughout their lives and growing up. Um, I know for myself, like I have trans and non-binary people in my life, but it really helps me to understand what they went through and potentially experienced um, as they struggled with their identities. And then just how affirming it is for someone when they get identified with the correct pronouns. I think there's multiple times in the book when Maya expresses that and how much it meant to air. Um, And so it makes me want to make sure that I'm intentionally giving those opportunities for folks to share um, either with just me or with the whole group um, when I'm facilitating the materials and that make sure they're gender affirming as well. So they're included in a lot of ways. I know some folks do like a Google form, even before your class starts to give some folks a chance to share their pronouns in a space like that, um, utilizing technology, but so that, again, they're not outing themselves necessarily in class or that you already know, so you're not outing them um, in the class as well.
0: I wanna go back to when you said it kind of gave you an idea of what some of your friends may have went through as well. And, From a teaching perspective, I often have my students do a lot of reflective exercises, write about this. What were you feeling? How did that make you feel? What were you experiencing? How does this content relate to your life? We often start to internalize these things and think about in the context of myself. So I had a lot of those moments throughout this book as well. A lot of it uh, regarding, say, teenage awkwardness. I don't think anybody's immune from that. And this is a really uh, different, but similar feeling perspective that you get from that. I mean, everything from, you know, uh, what reproductive organs do during puberty, uh, to just coming from maybe a non-traditional, uh, educational background and just, you know, the parents, all of that kind of feeding into not just Maya's Jersey journey, but those around her, as well. So I thought it was cool. They kept bringing the family back in and no matter what stage in life she was in, there was still that similar awkwardness that I've often felt. Oh no. Did you hear that? I misgendered Maya during our conversation. I used the female pronouns her and she, when I should have used the Spivack pronouns E, M and air. Let's hear that mistake one more time. All of that kind of feeding into not just Maya's Jersey journey, but those around her as well. So I thought it was cool. They kept bringing the family back in and no matter what stage in life she was in, there was still that similar awkwardness that I've often felt. Even while I was trying to be more aware of gender pronouns, I still made a mistake and that's okay. That's an important part of how we learn. I fully expect to make more mistakes in the future. And we will point out those errors to our listeners as learning moments. This learning moment was brought to you by Dr. Dan. Now back to the interview. Uh, There as well. So that's just one of the things I really found interesting about this book. Again, uh, identifying as white, cisgender, male, there are still a lot of things in here for me to relate to and learn from. And I really appreciated that about this book.
1: Yeah, I really appreciated as well. Just kind of my experience developing a, a community. And I think that that's a lot something that a lot of us go through at various stages in our lives. And I think it can look, you know, very different depending on, um, you know, depending on the person and depending on their life experiences and the context. But I think there are a lot of themes that, you know, a lot of people can relate to. And I think that, you know, even if someone doesn't, identify as being a part of the queer community. I think this book really kind of opens, opens up to those shared experiences and can create that space to relate to someone who you might not have related to um, before just based on solely knowing their gender identity.
2: I think the book is technically like a youth adult, young adult novel, maybe graphic novel, but I think for especially like faculty and staff that are interested in learning more to be more inclusive or like as a parent. I think this is such a good example of like how to be supportive because like Maya's parents were pretty supportive of them like throughout the process and um, just like learning what your your child might be going through and how to you know best affirm them or encourage them to like multiple times Maya doesn't uh, correct people or something because it, it might be painful um, but but encouraging folks to speak out and help in those situations too
1: yeah, and I, I did notice that Maya does acknowledge the perspective of your parents as well with you know a couple of points in the book in which you know their parents are struggling. Your parents are struggling with you know the new pronouns and and being able to be supportive in that way. And you know kind of the frustration that can come with kind of wrapping your mind around different gender pronouns, a different identity than you pictured for your child.
0: Mm -hmm. I think what I keep coming back to is that it's very relatable and it's a very touching human story and that's I think the important part that I keep coming back to is that um, the same story plays out to many people you may not even realize it as you're walking by them or it plays out in different ways based on where you're coming from it's a very human story it's not just well this will benefit this group or that group anybody can stand to to learn a little bit more just by reading this book. So this event, the, uh, the book club is being sponsored by and led by the LGBTQIA employee resource group. So tell us a little bit more about that group and how it contributes to the OU community.
2: Sure. So the LGBTQIA plus employee resource group um, is a space on campus for queer and trans folks um, on campus to get together and get support from each other in the community, as well as finding our allies at OU. So allies or I like to call them accomplices too, um, those folks that are by your side and willing to fight for you are, are also welcome at OU. Uh, we do try to do, you know, gatherings and, and learning opportunities and um, you know, try to work with the administration to get more support in different areas that we see around campus. Um, but we've been working on getting the group back and up and running, uh, kind of at full capacity. We're not as maybe as um, large as some of the other groups on campus, and so hoping that this book club helps to bring some, um, and maybe the podcast brings us some support or folks that want to get more engaged uh, with the group to help provide that support for each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and we're hopeful that you know this podcast can raise awareness and, you know, maybe bring some people in who really wanna participate in advocacy efforts around campus, but don't know where to start. So are there any resources, events, or groups that you'd like to promote to our listeners? Um, well, I'd say definitely check out all the Pride Month activities that are currently going on at OU this month
2: um, on the Gender and Sexuality Center website. There's a whole list and all the Zoom links or the ones that are in person as well. Um, and then National Pride Month is coming in June. So there'll be a lot of great events happening then um, that folks can get around get into around Metro Detroit. Um, and I'd also just like encourage people to read more like queer and trans authors or like find movies and shows that have queer and trans characters, like exposure kids to these kinds of stories, like anything that we can do to educate ourselves and our youth is just going to make it that much easier for kids like Maya to not feel alone in their journey and, and be able to be themselves and, and feel included.
1: Well, thank you for. All of those great suggestions, um, and thank you for being here on our podcast today, Kelly. We really appreciate you being here for our inaugural episode, and we're really looking forward to continuing the conversation at the book club event next week. Yeah, thank you so much for having me,
2: and, and um, for joining the book club. And I'm excited to talk about it too. And good luck with your podcast. Maybe I'll come back. I'm passionate about lots of inclusion topics, so <laughs> I'll come back and see you, and
1: um, we can chat more about. All things
0: uh, DEI. Sounds great. Thanks, Kelly. Awesome.
1: Thanks. So for our closing remarks, we'd like to thank Kelly for joining us today. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We value your feedback and your ratings and reviews will help others discover our show. You can also find us on Instagram at Inclusive Pod. And if you'd like to get in touch with us with your ideas, feedback, or requests to collaborate, you can send us an email at inclusiveonlinepod at gmail.com.
0: And don't forget to take a look at all of our resources for today's episode linked in the show notes. Please note that we are not endorsing or sponsoring any of the products and tools we discussed in our show today. We are simply sharing our experiences with these tools, and we do not receive any compensation for mentioning these products.
1: We'll be back next month with our second episode. And until then,
0: we hope you feel included.